Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Appreciate you turning in today to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. My name is Mark Miner, and I'm going to try to keep it to 24 minutes today. That's always the goal, just a lot to share. I love sharing the structure of the Bible, and uh, we have a simple goal of, of helping you to understand the setup and the ways that the Bible connects events and people. And as we will see today, the Bible is still connecting events and people right up to this very moment. I think you'll learn some things. I think you'll understand the significance of some of the biblical events that we sometimes perhaps gloss over. So welcome and uh, just glad you're a part of uh, this this broadcast. My goal is often to uh, help you to talk your way through the Bible. Many cultures have an oral tradition. Native Americans certainly do as they sat around fires and, and share their stories in the evening, and, and other cultures uh, do the same. We that live in the Christian tradition, we are very, very blessed because we have a written tradition, and that's called the Bible, and it's recorded for us. There's an integrity, too, that, that surrounds the Bible. And one of the things that, that God has allowed, I believe, is for the integrity to be uh, shown through different discoveries, particularly in archaeology. In 1948, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in Israel. Uh, you can see them. They're now on display in a museum called the Israeli Museum or the Book of the Shrine in Jerusalem. One of the amazing discoveries of the Dead Sea Scrolls was the 66 chapters of the book of Isaiah. Now, they weren't divided in chapters. The Jewish Bible isn't divided in chapters. Uh, but it's the entire uh, book of Isaiah as we currently have it. Of course, written in Hebrew, not written in English. <clears throat> but as we read through and as that book was translated, we find that it is identical to the Isaiah that you have in your Bible today. Now, Isaiah lived and recorded his prophecies about 700 B.C. Uh, during the reign of King Uzziah through the king of Hezekiah. But, uh, and it was probably written, the Dead Sea Scrolls were probably written in the time of Jesus. But my point is simply this, the Bible can be trusted. It holds together. It has internal integrity. It does not contradict itself. Some may disbelieve the Bible on the basis of rejecting the premise that the Bible came from the heart and mind of God or that God would even communicate with us. And that's fine. That, that, that's good. Understand the Bible then as literature. But I'm going to suggest to you that God did communicate to his people a written record through the 40 different individuals who authored uh, the Old and New Testament over that 1,600-year period of time on three different continents. So uh, I believe the Bible is... Uh, I think it's just not disputable, the historical genuineness of the story which the Bible tells. And my goodness, what a beautiful story it is. A story that has relevance, importance, texture, uh, just touches our heart to this very day. And so in this episode, it is uh, our plan to look at the Bible and to talk about the civil war of Israel. But first, but first, let's, uh, let's review a little bit. Let's talk our way through the Bible to get a little bit of that oral tradition, if you will. 
at least uh, to the time of today's lesson. So are you ready? Let's start. Uh, let's remember that we begin with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And so we have Adam and Eve. We fast forward to a man by the name of Noah in Genesis 6, where uh, God destroys the earth or transforms it, we should better say. Uh, a whole new uh, set of atmosphere, a whole new topography and geography, a whole new mindset, if you will. And that's all in Genesis chapter 6. And then we go to Genesis chapter 12. And we're just talking our way through the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, God narrows down the Bible from t dealing with the entire world down to one man and his seed or his posterity, his children. And that man's name is? Abraham. And so we have Abraham and the patriarchs, and that's through the book of Genesis all the way to the end. And we find in the end of the book of Genesis that the last of the patriarchs, a man by the name of Jacob or Israel, has uh, relocated to the country of Egypt. We pick it up in Exodus chapter 1, and we find now that, that Jacob's kids, 400 years later, are now in slavery in Egypt. And so God raises up a man. That man's name is Moses. So Moses delivers the children of Israel from the Egyptian bondage, gets them to the very cusp of the promised land, and he also gives them a word, a written word, a law. And we have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now the Jews have everything they need, the, the children of Israel, to establish themselves as a country, except they don't have the land. So God raises up a man by the name of Joshua. And Joshua, the book of Joshua, is about the conquest of the promised land. After the conquest, uh, the children of Israel move into the land, but they need leadership. They need governance. So what does God do? He raises up judges. So we have the book of Judges and all the different judges, and we read those episodes about them. And then ultimately the people of Israel say, we want to be like everybody else. We want a king. God relents and gives them the first three kings of Israel, which is what we talked about last week. You know them as Saul and David and Solomon. So we've just talked our way through uh, the Old Testament all the way to the book of 1 Kings chapter 12, which is where we're going to begin today as we talk about the civil war of Israel. Now the time frame as we look at the kings uh, is about uh, 400 years from approximately 1000 B.C. to 600 B.C. Today we're going to be talking uh, after the civil war about some lesser known kings. Most everybody knows Saul and David, and Solomon, those three kings that were kings over the United States of Israel. Today, after the Civil War, we're going to encounter uh, lesser-known kings, kings like Jehoshaphat, Yehu, Hezekiah, Josiah, Ahab. So that's what we're going to be talking about in uh, these uh, th today in our episode as we look at First and Second Kings and cover First and Second Chronicles. Today we'll divide it up into three parts. We'll talk about the Civil War. We'll talk about the Northern and the Southern Kingdom. And then ultimately we'll end up talking about the very interesting subject of the Temple. So let's begin today in episode 13, the Civil War of Israel. In 1861, Civil War broke out in the United States of America as states separated North and South. Of course, you know the issue was slavery. 700,000 Americans, northern and southern soldiers, would be dead at the end of that four-year conflict. But the Union of the United States of America was preserved and intact, probably in large part because of God raising up, I believe, Abraham Lincoln to, uh, to do the work that he did. In the same way, a civil war broke out in the United States of Israel. 
after the death of the last king, King Solomon, uh, <clears throat> the United States of Israel was at great risk. The issue wasn't slavery, but uh, taxes. The results, however, were quite different. Solomon had a son by the name of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam was appointed king over Israel. Uh, Solomon's son was young. He was untested. And so uh, <clears throat> he uh, had a, a conflict right at the very beginning, right after Solomon's death. A man by the name of Jeroboam, a former advisor of Solomon, on his cabinet, if you will, uh, came to this new young king, Rehoboam, and, and he said, our taxes are too high. You need to raise, uh, you need to lower these very high taxes. It's the right thing to do. King Solomon's advisors, uh, which Rehoboam had inherited, all agreed with Jeroboam. Uh, your father's taxes were too high. It's time to give some relief to the nation of Israel. But this new king, Rehoboam, well, he was young. Uh, he was untested, but he was cocksure and ready to show uh, his, his power. So at the end, instead of lowering the taxes and listening to the uh, wiser heads, Rehoboam said, no way. In fact, I'm going to raise your taxes. Well, Jeroboam left uh, the presence of King Rehoboam. And he went out and he organized uh, the 10 tribes, 10 of the tribes of Israel, in a revolt against the government. It was a civil war and it was on. So uh, <clears throat> Rehoboam organized, uh, mustered up an army of 180,000 soldiers and they were about to uh, attack the 10 northern tribes to stop them from seceding from the Union. At the last moment, however, a prophet by the name of Shemaniah came to Solomon's son Rehoboam and he convinced him not to fight against his brothers and to let's let them go and become a, a, a separate country. So there was no actual bloodshed during this civil war. However, a new country was formed. Uh, no more was the United States of Israel in existence. We now have two separate sovereign countries. The northern ten tribes became known as Israel and those 10 tribes appointed Jeroboam as their king, the southern kingdom now became known as Judah since their entire population was simply the tribe of Judah along with the, the, the smaller tribe of the Levites. The Levites owned no property. Their job was to officiate and operate the temple there in Jerusalem. So we have now have two separate countries, the, the country, the northern kingdom known as Israel, the second kingdom, the southern kingdom, known as Judah. These two countries have different kings. They have different histories. They have different temples. And ultimately, they have very different destinies. No more United States of Israel. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. An interesting side note, uh, <clears throat> from the moment on in 1 Kings 12, where the civil war takes place and the division happens, which is approximately 1000 BC, from that moment on, Israel was never again a united or a sovereign nation. For 3,000 years, no United States of Israel. So a very historic moment. It's even more interesting, as we'll talk about toward the end of the broadcast, but that took place uh, for 3,000 years. But in the lifetime, perhaps of your grandparents, maybe of your parents, on May 14, 1948, what took place on, in 1 Kings chapter 12, the separation and the brokenness of the United States of Israel, 
comes back together as the United Nations forms the nation of Israel. And for the first time in 3,000 years, unheard of in human history, the nation Israel is reconstituted as a new nation, the United States of Israel, the nation that we know of today. So it's amazing to me how things continue to be connected. And part of our purpose here in, in the broadcast is just simply to show you the relevance of, of things that seemingly are archaic and ancient, but they have great impact even to this very day. So let's talk for a moment about uh, uh, the nation Israel. And uh, let's talk about the northern and the southern kingdoms for a moment. Uh, even before that, perhaps, let's just talk about uh, what could have happened with the Civil War. First uh, and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles provides for us the exploits and the histories of, of these two very different nations. You know, if the United States, if things had gone differently in the American Civil War, uh, we would have had two countries here on the North American, American continent. What we now know as the United States of America would have been the Northern Kingdom of America and the Southern Kingdom of America. Consequently, the laws of the North and the South would have been very different because they had different capitals. Different holidays would have been celebrated. Uh, different, the cultures would have been very different. Well, that's what happened in the Northern and the Southern Kingdom. So as we go through First uh, and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, it can get confusing. Don't get caught up with all the names of the kings. There were 19 kings of the northern kingdom, 20 kings in the southern kingdom. Most of those names that are very forgettable. But the reality is during this period of time, some significant things were happening. And because we have two kingdoms, we have a more complex understanding. So it takes a little bit of, uh, of time to, to uh, figure it all out. Let's dive into the northern kingdom for a moment, if we will. As I said, the northern kingdom had 19 kings. Sadly, all of them were notably bad. Without access to the temple in Jerusalem, and perhaps uh, to ensure the loyalty uh, to, uh, to the northern kingdom and to their country, the, uh, the northern kingdom built its own temple. They didn't want them going down to Jerusalem. That was a foreign country now. So the temple was built in Samaria. But the problem with the temple in Samaria is it wasn't God's temple. They did not operate according to the books of Moses and the laws of, uh, that God had given them. In fact, there are many religious practices that were developed during this period of time in the northern kingdom that were very much in opposition to the word of God and to the law of Moses. For example, let's think about one of those northern kings. <clears throat> this is the seventh king of the northern kingdom, a man by the name of Ahab. You've probably heard of Ahab. Ahab uh, married a girl from Sidon. Sidon is a foreign country, a very pagan country, to the north of Israel. Her name? <laughs> Jezebel. Jezebel was a strong, probably a beautiful woman, but she was very pagan. She was very committed to the worship of her gods, and she brought all of that with her as she is now queen of the northern kingdom, queen of Israel. She brings in the Baals and the Asherahs, two foreign gods, for all the people to worship. And of course, she's queen, so she could command them to worship them, and worship they do. You might remember the prophet Elijah, the prophet Elijah lived during this period of time, and it was to Ahab and Jezebel that Elijah went and ultimately had a contest on a mountain called Mount Carmel. 
And in that contest, he asked Jezebel to bring uh, her prophets. She had 450 prophets of Baal. 400 prophets of Asherah, and the Bible says all 950 of them ate at Jezebel's table. Must have been a big table, but a very, very pagan culture. And so it was Elijah that challenged the uh, <clears throat> the ongoing worship there. And of course, if you remember the story, uh, what happened at Mount Carmel, Elijah won, his God is God, uh, but that was the northern kingdom that, that all of that was taking place. The northern kingdom ultimately was attacked and destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. So the northern kingdom existed for a shorter period of time than did the southern kingdom. They were very pagan. They never truly followed God. They had their own temple, and it was a temple that did not glorify or, or uh, adhere to the laws of Moses and, and the Ten Commandments. Another very interesting uh, Bible point comes into play during this period of time. Uh, <clears throat> the Assyrians eventually, under the leadership of a man by the name of Sennacherib, the Assyrians attacked and uh, conquered the northern kingdom. Now, the Assyrians as a people did not care about who they conquered. Uh, they killed whom they killed, but they basically just scattered them. They scattered these 10 tribes all across. They didn't care where they went. Just get out of our way. You may have heard of the lost tribes or the 10 lost tribes of Israel. Well, this is where that came from. So these 10 tribes that are no longer a kingdom, they are, they are removed. They are scattered out of this land. What happens to them? Well, uh, they can't go to the west. That's the Mediterranean Sea. They can't go to the east. That's the desert. They can't go to the south. That's Judah. So they can only go north. And that is basically where they went. They crossed the Caucasus Mountains and they settled in places, continents such as Europe and countries such as Russia. Now, why is that important? Well, let me fast forward to the 1930s and ultimately the 1940s. What was taking place then? World War II. And what was happening with World War II, what was the centerpiece of Adolf Hitler's uh, maniacal evil plot? It was the killing of these people of Israel. These millions of people of Israeli descent, these 12, 10 tribes of Israel, where are they now living? They're living in Europe. They've settled there, and Hitler, we know, killed 6 million of the Jews in his concentration camp or, or of the Israelis. Uh, where did many of them come from? Well, they were these 10 tribes that were dispersed among the nations of Europe, nations like Poland and Hungary and Austria and Germany. All of them uh, were housing uh, people from these 12, these 10 tribes. Uh, another point to, to note about the Jews, uh, when they settled in countries, they knew that they were going to be persecuted. Israel uh, and the Jewish people, the Israeli people are the most persecuted people in all of history and on all the earth. So they knew they could not own land. They also knew they probably were going to have to move, settle in another country. So what did they do? They learned trades. Since they knew persecution would come, since they were foreigners, uh, they became tradesmen uh, because they knew that they could survive in any foreign country if they had a trade. So these scattered tribesmen, if you will, became tailors 
and jewelers and bankers and lawyers and doctors. And, and to this very day, we still see this same reality. The Jewish people, the Israeli people, by and large, by and large are a people of trade. The Jewish rabbis had a saying, you teach your son to you either teach your son to be a trade have a trade or you teach him to be a thief. And so that was uh, the reality of, of what happened at the northern kingdom. Let's talk about the southern kingdom for a minute. The southern kingdom was known as Judah. The southern kingdom had 20 kings. Uh, some of them were good, many of them were not, but the saving grace, if you will, of the southern kingdom is that the temple was there in Jerusalem. The southern kingdom of Judah had the temple sacrifices. They still saw the Passover lamb. They still offered the, the feast of the first fruits and uh, <clears throat> all the different feasts in the book of Deuteronomy. They had the priest. And perhaps most importantly, uh, they had the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the Ten Commandments engraved by the very finger of God. And those Ten Commandments were residing there in the uh, temple there in Jerusalem. So as we, uh, as we look at uh, the nation of Israel, as we look at the, the kingdom of Judah, uh, we see that they had a little bit of advantage. So they did last for a longer period of time. But alas, in the end, even the southern kingdom, the people of Judah, came to an end. Even having temple worship and, uh, <clears throat> and the temple with them and the visibility of it was not enough. Uh, they ultimately neglected church. I mean, they ultimately neglected the temple. They joined in the pagan reverie and worship around them, and their nation also fell. In 586 B.C., a Babylonian army, under the leadership of a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, conquered the city of Jerusalem, set fire to Solomon's beautiful temple, burned and toppled it to the ground, and carted off the Jewish relics, and by that I mean the uh, equipment, the furniture that Moses had crafted during his period of time, uh, all of that was in the temple. They took that away. They took it with them back to Persia or Babylon. The menorah, the altar of incense, the table of showbread. And so now the southern kingdom, the temple, and the nation of Judah was no more. But here again is where it gets interesting. Whereas, as I mentioned, the Assyrians scattered the ten northern tribes all, uh, all over Europe and Russia and wherever they may have settled, the Babylonians were different in their method of warfare. They captured prisoners, and they took those prisoners back to Babylon with them. They valued their captives, and they didn't just use them for menial labor. Some of them they trained to be officials and administrators. Well, why am I telling you this? Well, let's think about that. These, these members of the tribe of Judah that have been captured are now being uh, led back the thousand-mile journey to Babylon and Persia. Uh, they were residing there, and they established their lives there, their Jewish communities, communities there. Well, why is that important? Well, there's a few reasons. For one, many of the stories and books of the Old Testament come to us during this time of captivity when the Jews were in Persia. For example, the book of Daniel, written in Persia. Daniel served five Persian kings. The book of Esther, the book of Ezekiel, Nehemiah, Ezra, all of them were written in Persia or Babylon, and all of them deal with events surrounding Jewish life during their time in Persia. 
Secondly, the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. So when the only tribe left, the tribe of Judah, who are also known as Jews, by the way, that's where we get the term Jews. It means you're of the tribe of Judah. So all of the Jews, the tribe of Judah, had been taken back to Babylon. And they resided there. Well, the Messiah was going to come not through the, the tribe of Naphtali or Issachar or even the tribe of Levi. He was going to be the king of the Jews. He was going to come from the line of Judah. So it was the Judah tribe that was still existent in Persia. And, and thirdly, within a century, uh, those Jews that were in Persia uh, would be back in Jerusalem and they would be rebuilding the temple even with the help of some of the Persian kings. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm long on my time, so I don't, have, uh, I don't have an opportunity to say some things about Christmas and the uh, three wise men, but uh, it's interesting they came from Persia. There's probably a reason why, which brings me to the last point today, and that's the temple. I'm hurrying, I promise. <clears throat> much, much more ahead on the temple in later days, but understand these things. There have been two Jewish temples that are mentioned in the Bible. Solomon's temple, which was built by Solomon, of course, and was destroyed by the Babylonians. Then there was a second temple, which was initially rebuilt by Ezra and Zerubbabel. We'll read about that later on as we continue through our study of the Bible. Uh, <clears throat> the second temple is most often known as Herod's temple. And that's simply because King Herod, yes, the Herod of Jesus' day, uh, loved to rebuild things, and he created, a, he completed a massive remodeling project on the second temple. It took over 40 years, uh, and it was his second temple, Herod's temple, if you will, that Jesus would someday enter, and that is featured in the Gospels. This second temple existed until 70 AD when a man by the name of Titus, a Roman commander, attacked Jerusalem and ultimately destroyed the second temple. So let's bring things, bring things uh, full circle if we can as we talk about the kings, the United States of Israel and temples. Today in our lifetime, my friends, some Bible prophecies concerning these events have miraculously unfolded before our very eyes. Isaiah 66, 8 tells us this, Can a country be born in a day or a nation brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth. My friends, that prophecy written by Isaiah 700 years before Christ was fulfilled in the lifetime of many people perhaps listening, for sure grandparents and parents listening, uh, of, of people listening to this podcast. On May 13, 1948, there was no nation Israel. There had not been a nation Israel for 3,000 years. On May 14, 1948, in one day, the nation of Israel, the United States of Israel, was born again by a proclamation of the United Nations. So that prophecy was answered exactly as it was uttered by Isaiah. The deepest desire of the Jews, my friends, uh, is to rebuild not only their country, they have it back now, but to rebuild a temple. So will there be a third temple? 
Will it be built perhaps in your lifetime? What will be the consequences of that temple? Well, who knows? But uh, just thank you for joining me today, and I'll just leave you with that sort of question and reflection. But see that the Bible is still relevant in these moments and these days. Now, next week, we're going to be looking at episode 14, which is entitled Going Into Captivity. I sure hope you can join me for, for our continued journey through the Bible. Thank you for being a part of the 24 well, maybe today, 27-minute Bible podcast. I sure appreciate your presence with me on this journey. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-minute Bible podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week, and may God be glorified in your lives.